everybody. How are we in Radio World? I am Zachary Ferguson for yet another uh, Two Thumbs Undecided. Oh, and who's this next to me? Hello. Knock, knock, knock. Uh, who's there? I'm at the door. Okay, I'm opening. How, what do you want? Uh, I have three pieces of pizza. Pizza? For you. Well, come on in. But what's. All right. Oh, uh, okay. What's your I'll name, come on in. stranger? Uh, my name is Bathy McBongwater. Bathy McBongwater. Wait a second. Bathy McBongwater. That's an anagram for Sammy Lee Ferguson. Yeah, you got it. You're my brother. <laughs> yep. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, I'm selling pizza now. Oh, that's really sad. Here, come in from the cold and let's talk about uh, stuff. It's really cold outside. Global warming. Anyways. What? Um, no, oh, that's not glo- that's glo- That's climate change. Oh, sorry, climate change. I'm not hip. Uh, but hi. Uh, this is uh, Two Thumbs Undecided, right? Tell me a little bit about Two Thumbs Undecided. I see you got the mic set up. I do. So this is the pod. This is the radio show where we talk about two guys who happen to be brothers who talk mm. about media. Media in the All sense right. of today. We talk about movies. We talk about TV shows. We talk about Twitter. Our main focus, though, has been movies, but we're hoping to do this this radio show long and hard. So we may transition mm. into who knows virtual. Well, reality. I only I see there's only one of you. So do you mind if I take in for this? I I, I sub. Yes. For this, yeah. Uh... For the longest time, this has been one thumb undecided, and it's been very <laughs> strange. People have been calling in saying that like, "Hey, one armed man," and I go, "No, this isn't the fugitive." Okay, this isn't <laughs> that one guy from Twin Peaks. I have two hands. Thus, two we should thumbs. name all of the. Also, I feel like it's kind of sad in a lot of films. Um, the, a person with one arm is normally the bad guy. They're a bad guy, or they're like a I, weirdo. I feel like the, there needs to be more films in which the 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 good not just 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 this normal person that has one arm. Well, you you know who isn't you isn't like the bad guy. You, you know who you have to blame for that. That is the fugitive that had made that. Oh really? Well, the the entire villain of that TV show was the one armed man. Oh, the TV show? It was a TV show. Are you serious? I didn't know it was a TV show. Yes, it was a TV show. It was a TV show. Then it became a movie, hmm. where uh, what's his name, um, Harrison Ford goes like, "I'm innocent," and then Tommy Lee Jones goes, "I don't care." Wait, but no, that's the movie. That's the movie. The TV yeah. show is like, a, I've never seen it, but apparently the one-armed man's not in it very much. Anyways, enough about one-armed men. I've told you what the stinking show's about. I hope you're satisfied because you're going to get a lot more, baby. You're All right. Well, I'm excited. Um, so uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I uh, Life is I mean, life is being real interesting. You know, it's, it's all over the place, baby. Mm. All right. You say baby a lot. Is that because of Rick and Morty? No, it's not Rick and Morty. It's uh, for fans of the show. I, I got to tell you, a lot of my influences lately, comedically wise or language wise, has been from Comedy Bang Bang. You know, I actually just started uh, listening to uh, How Did This Get Made? Also, a really uh, funny show, which is really funny. It's kind of uh, like what, I, like it, in this. I mean, they've been doing it a lot longer, but you know, they. It makes me appreciate film a lot, but in the sense of like how bad a film can be. 
Because mm-hmm. Paul Shear at the very end tells about like the in like the real minutia of the film, and it also gets you excited to watch the film. Like I have on yeah. reserve at the library, I've uh, Ho- uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Mm. Listen to the Hobbs and Shaw one. I did. They well. Wait, wait. You have that on reserve. It's still in theaters. No, no, no. It's well. If it's in, th- I think it's coming. I think it's it's yeah. It's out on DVD now. I'm pretty what? sure. Or it's coming out on DVD. Oh. Anyways, I have it reserved on the library, and I cannot wait to watch that at home, uh, and just yeah, because my one roommate is a huge action fan, uh, so it's something to you know bond over, he hmm. and I. Um, yeah, but uh, no, my, my one thing is like yeah, you kind of need to. The show is, and it's kind of hard to do, but you kind of need to watch the film before you watch it. You listen to the so- or. I feel like it would be a lot better. If you watch the movie before you uh, listen to that episode of whatever it is. I got to say, um, I have not, whenever I listen to the podcast, I don't really watch, I haven't watched any of the movies, but I just like to hear them talk about it. Mm. Uh, though, uh, I don't know if you know this, Sam, but the one where they talk about Sharknado, Scott Ackerman's yes. in that. I'm listening to that now. I just started that today. It's, it's a funny one. I always yeah. enjoy, I got to say, if he ever hears this, Scott Ackerman and his Barry men, uh, Barry band of you know people he he's friends with. I just love that. That's like yeah. when it comes to comedy. When I was a kid, it was what, what it's whatever was on Fox or Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network. That's what mm-hmm. I was basing my comedy off of. High school, I think I was basing my comedy off of actually the interaction of other human beings. <laughs> You know, ah. you know, like what? what well, what in high school, you laugh. thought you were the funniest person in high school, so yeah. I think you just made yourself laugh. Can in I high tell school. you something? I, yeah, I got, tell me something. I got the most nicest compliment, but yet the worst thing to hear from somebody. Uh, I ran into an old high school fellow of mine who I haven't seen in years, and he told me he was introducing me to like a, a lady at a club. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me as saying, this guy was a legend in high school. And my mm. soul just sunk to the floor. What is the last thing a woman wants to hear? Be like, this guy was cool in high school. Yeah. Hey, man, but you were cool in high school. I thought but I was. The thing, thing is, is here's like, the don't thing. call. The thing is, is being called a high school legend means like, that's it. I, or at least that's how I like. Of course, I'm not. Who knows what? T- but you weren't you weren't cool in the sense of like, but how you does sh- went to all the parties and things and were like I didn't the, go the to person any person that parties. yeah you weren't like the person that like every but you okay, were cool like you were the class clown you know see that has um, a bad connotation too because you know who also was a class clown Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey Dahmer Jeffrey Dahmer did you know that I thought you were gonna say Epstein wait what's the name Je- uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Jeffrey Epstein yeah, for a second. A I was like, class um, pullout. Yeah, no, but the thing is, is you can't really compare people like, you know who else was it? You know, this other horrible person. No, no, I'm, like I'm just saying, like, it was it was one of those com- comments that I was like, oh, thank you. I won't reprimand you uh, for saying that, but I'm also like, ah. Yeah. Anyways, we should probably get to the news. Yes. Um, uh, news. Joker is killing it in the. Yeah. I uh I we have yet to see it. Neither Zach or I. Yeah. Um, Every I, I've heard 
a lot of great things about it from people online. Um, I will say something in my pool is a mo- I haven't seen the movie, but uh, the movie, the Tim Heidecker on cinema movie, mm. Mr. America, came out, and it is getting really. Call- it's getting a lot of well, bad I'm reviews, in- but it's getting a lot. It's it's getting bad reviews in the sense of it's like already I think becoming a cult classic. Yeah, because- no, I'm seeing on Twitter specifically. I'm seeing every like director is like raving about every, it. Every like, uh, all the comedians, every director and comedians love it. And then like, but, like Aaron. A- by the way, Aaron Astor. I've never Ari Astor. Ari Astor. I've never really put him in a sense of like thumbs up, man. Um. But after his tweet re- saying it's, like, super funny, I'm like, okay. I mean, I haven't. Yeah. The thing is, is I haven't seen it, so I can't say. It's, uh, for those of you in New York, um, it's playing at the Metrograph uh, starting tomorrow? Wait, uh, like, regularly? Yeah, it's playing regularly <sighs> See, at the Metrograph starting tomorrow. That's the thing is, it, it played, I think, only one time yesterday in Pittsburgh. And I, w- well, I would have gone... But my thing is, is I'm working on this animation, and I every mm. moment counts for me. Yeah. Well, for those of you in New York, it's playing at the Metrograph, which is a really cool indie uh, theater. If you guys uh, haven't been, you should go. And they're um, also playing his, in November in New York, they're playing The Trial at the uh, oh. at the museum, at the Motion Image Museum. Oh, really? Like, as a performance art piece, which I think is wow. funny. That's really cool. I'm going to go. Um, oh, see, Tim Heidecker, see, this is the th- but the thing is, is also Tim Heidecker isn't, he's also really funny, but he's not well, really part people... of like the Scott Ackerman crowd. Like no. he's a separate, well, actually him, I mean, the, he kind of is like, he's, they're friends, but they're not like, well, in a sense, you know. they're actually very much in common because both he and Scott Ackerman, that's true. Were discovered by day, uh, by Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. I feel like, um, yeah, Bob Oderkirk and the the CBD or not CBD, uh, CBB, the Citizens Upright Citizens Brigade or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the I feel like those two. Yeah, I feel like those two are like the biggest influences of our comedy right now. Is like the people well, that came good, out of those good two comedy. camps. You you could say there is a huge pull, and I'm not really in this world, but like just YouTubers. I think this is where me being like, this is what's going to shine as me being an old man is I hate that. And I think it's dumb. And this is like maybe what kids are going to be in the same sense of people, you know, razzing on Martin Scorsese for saying. Mar- oh, Luke, yeah. Which we talked about that yet last week. We did, though. There was more comments by Ro- there was an official statement by Robert Downey see, Jr. See, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the other that was the news that I was going to say. Um, he accepted Robert, it. Robert, he accepted it. And for some reason, but he, this is this is kind of what I'm getting upset about is people tend to just love attacking people. And for some reason, I'm looking on Twitter and like a few people are like attacking Robert, De Niro, or Robert Downey Jr. Simply because he's rich and simply because also simply because he's like saying, don't I don't want to pursue the oscars for iron man and like people are saying like yeah be better not pursue it and all this stuff and it's just like yo and like people are like i don't know i i feel like people are like attacking him simply because he like made a comment about it and because he has like this i don't know i feel like people just need to calm down 
about uh though i don't think his performance it, here's the weird thing i don't think in his his performance in infinity war endgame was anything like out of this world i think it's just he, it's like you know al pacino got an oscar for sin of a woman it's it's one of those things where like he deserve he like it's his time to get an award and is he going to get an award mm-hmm. for anything else so i think giving him an uh, of course his most iconic role is iron man I mean, he was perfect. Mm. I will say, no matter or Chaplin. Well, here's the thing: he was great in Chaplin, but come on, I he really. This whole Marvel universe thing—it's now unstoppable. Uh, I but, wouldn't say that. Okay, nothing. That is true. If we've learned anything from history, anything can be killed, which is a yeah, quote. I mean, the whole from studio Godfather system, too. the whole studio system probably seemed unstoppable in the '40s, and then. Well, I guess laws got in the way. That was the main thing that stopped. I can't wait till they run. They somehow, five hundred years from now, they run out of Marvel characters and they try to make it up, like make their own Marvel heroes. Yeah, and then they start turning like Game of Thrones. Oh, that's where they start making up their own stuff, and then it's just like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not what. (laughs) This is not what we signed up for. This is their characters are going to be so weird. Their characters are going to be like. Bucket man, you know, I don't know. I, I was, I was about like to come up with a super villain. Dragon duck, I don't know. Dragon, no. If you almost said Dragon Man, that is a superhero. <laughs> I know it's hard to come up with a superhero. I was gonna say, exist. I was gonna say Purple Man, but actually, Purple Man has already been portrayed in Jessica Jones. Oh my god! As uh, All right, well, David Tennant. I'm just saying, I don't think the Marvel thing is gonna last forever. But also, this is this is media. Um, Going back to like people getting mad about things. What are your thoughts about Ellen? Oh, hanging out hanging with George with Bush. George W. Bush. Oh boy. I, my thing about George Bush is maybe I'm too easy to forgive, but I was too small of a child to really care about politics at that time. Yeah. So I always just saw George Bush as this cartoonish villain, like. Dolt, who just stumbled around, which in reality, of course, yeah, he, you know, caused or like allowed all this stuff to happen. But weirdly enough, the way I see him in media, and by the way, I am not the person to ask. And I. Well, I'm asking you. Okay, well, my opinion, and it, I think it probably is wrong, but how I view George Bush is I see him, ha- him as like, you know, maybe he's a redeemable character. You know, like he's 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 I, friends with the Obamas. He paints. Is he? Yeah. Well, he looks like he's really friendly with Michelle Obama. There's all these images of him, like, like at Donald Trump's inauguration, he's like handing candy to Michelle Obama. <laughs> like hmm. they look so friendly. And then, like, I think that's such a weird dynamic of Ellen hanging out with a president that a lot of celebrities and liberals, at most liberals, hate. I just think that's mm-hmm. like a, to me, and maybe this is why I, I'm the wrong person to say this. My reality is so skewed. I think this is like a weird crossover. It's like seeing I, Batman being friends with, you know, Joker. Yeah. Because they're. Well, that's not a crossover. Or, no, okay. It'd sorry. Be, it'd it's be like, like Batman hanging with. Oh. Uh, 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 Splinter from. Or, it would be like Batman hanging out with Doc Ock. Or even yeah. more obscure, like uh, Inspector Gadget hanging out with, um, you know, uh, Shredder from 
<laughs> because they're both, you know, into machines. That'd be cool. And they both. No, see, I, I, I also agree. It's like, oh, when you I know think what? It, Bush, what? You know what? Actually, the best comparison is, is uh, there was a Christmas or like a holiday special of uh, He-Man and Skeletor becomes like he he accidentally stumbles into these kids and this like cute pet mm-hmm. and they go like, oh, you're really nice to that pet. And then Skeletor is just like, I am not nice. That's how I kind of see the George Bush thing. He's like, he's, yeah. he's trying to ease into the liberal scene. I think he's just, I think he's just old. I think he's like, an old man. I don't think he has any like motive. I think he's just, I don't know. I, I think it's, <laughs> he found people, a seat. first off people love. Yeah. <laughs> he just found a seat. I think people love to just get mad at people. And I think, but also, well, we've, we've been mad at people too. I know, but I think people love to just, cause I, I in my mind, cause like Bush, yeah, in my mind, like Bush, I don't know enough about him politically. Cause I was like a kid and not thinking about politics when he was president. But I do remember like not, liking him you know now, but i didn't remember but so i was thinking to myself like would i be upset if ellen was hanging with donald trump that's the qu- like that's the real his, thing so in my mind that's my what i was thinking and honestly well to me i wouldn't really care what? i would just be like well that would I just make care. me realize how little he cared about and maybe that's where it is it's like i i'm a full-on adult for donald trump's thing so i understand where he's coming from um and that would make me angry but honestly, I don't think he's gonna live that long after the presidency. Well, I'm just. I say that because he's just, an old man. I, I don't know. I just feel like. And and know. it's very. I, I think it's like obvious polit- he has dementia. Anyways, yes. I think it's it's. Yeah, but uh. So politics can be spooky sometimes, but you wouldn't say it's a horror thing. So that's no, a I nice would. transition into our discussion for today for the next 20 minutes. Yes. Yes. Non uh, non horror horror movies. And yeah. what do we mean by that? So we're not talking about the slashers or the gashers or the midnight thrashers, meaning, you mm-hmm. know, Psycho, Texas Chainsaw, Exorcist. We're talking movies that scared the living daylights out of us but were really intended just to be a like something else for example night of the hunter a 1960s movie that is not supposed to be a horror movie but is still quite scary yeah well i also like before we get into like yeah i guess you were talking about it before but like horror movies and non-horror movies i think horror movies what if they both scare you so what's the difference i think horror movies are Things that are supposed to, at the end of the day, make you scared. Like they're, they're it's supposed to. Like its main goal is to make you scared. To give you the willies. Even, even if it is psychological, and even if there's more to it than just being scared. Like, I think the end of the like it's just really about to like make you scared. Um. But I think like these non-horror horror movies are things that, uh. They scare you, but there's more to it. So, like, Night of the Hunter, there's... It's not... The whole point isn't just to scare you. It It's also just about... I mean, it's kind of a religious... Like, in a way, it's kind of this, like, the, the religious film of, like, like, fake or false prophets and, like, turning away from false prophets and, like, well, the scary, like finding... Well, the scary part about it is the whole, like, the... 
You know how like in Terminator, Terminator in a way could almost be considered a horror movie because like the essence and people have been cracking this down for years is like, you know, what makes a horror film? Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, a, it's almost as like a supernatural being that can't be killed by regular means and they keep coming at you and there's always like a jump scare. Um, not always. Not uh, exactly. You're right. Like, for instance, and we, I think we've talked about this on another podcast, the difference between a suspense and horror, but you could almost say uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Rope is a horror film, but there's you know, no I jump scare. I haven't seen that. Have you seen that? I have. It's good. Oh. It's good. I, I mean, Jimmy Stewart, seeing Jimmy Stewart in his later years, he's not, he's not that everyday man. He's more kind of, he always seems a little, like, miffed about something. Mm-hmm. And that's not how I see my Jimmy Stewart, which is why Vertigo is very weird, because he becomes, like, the psycho, basically. Yeah. Um, um, but when I looked, oh, sorry, God. Oh, no, no. Yeah, you, yeah. Well, I was just, I, I, like, looked up non-horror horror films, and there's a lot of lists. The scariest non-horror that. films of all time? Is that what you Yeah, and, yeah, I'm actually on the Looper one. Yeah. Uh, and it's it seems like this one is more focused on Requiem for a Dream. I think definitely fits the bill. That oh, Requiem for a Dream is actually is a really scary film, but it is not. But it has another point to it. Like the point is more about like very much an anti drug movie. Uh, so I think and that like the horrors of using drug, but it's yeah. the whole the point itself isn't to to scare you. It's using some elements of scary things to show you this story of these characters. Well, another example of something that gave me the same feeling of Requiem for a Dream, but it was not classified as a horror, is I remember in college I watched or tried to watch the first season of the HBO series called Oz. Mm. And I remember watching it and being just nothing really good happens to these people. Mm. Like, Everybody gets the worst of everything. And basically, mm. the best thing that can happen to you is being alive, mm-hmm. which is a hell to itself. And it just creeped me out, thinking like, oh, you know, thank you for saving me, but oh, you're a Nazi, and now I'm going to get raped. You know? Mm. It's like, oh, that's horrifying. Mm. Um, of course, things, I guess, turn around, but... Skill, very. It scared me in the same sense of like, you know, if you do, you know, if you get go down that darkened path of say being a a drug addict or an alcoholic, uh, you could end up in a horrible situation. And mm-hmm. for Jared Leto, of course, it ended with him being the worst Joker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, that that was was that the uh, that was the end. Wait, wait, wait. That was the end. That that was the. <laughs> That actually, that actually is. I like that. Thank you. That Requiem for a Dream is in the same universe as it, Suicide yeah, Squad. Yeah, Jared Leto changed that. With that character, changes his name to Jared Leto, lives the career of Jared Leto. You know, with a new arm. Spoilers. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then eventually, he he's like, they're like, we found out about your fake arm and your drug addicted past life, Jared. I'm sorry, but we're gonna have to punish you. What are you gonna do? We're gonna make you the worst Joker. Uh, oh, oh. Well, you, you you heard that he's like he felt um, ashamed or like vindictive about that, right? About 
that the people are saying he's the worst Joker. Well, yeah, like he felt like he was pushed aside or dismissed for not being in the solo Joker movie. Oh yeah. Which I mean, this is a business, and say you yeah. got a rotten apple, you don't keep serving it to people by putting yeah. more red paint on it. No, Jared Leto has turned into I feel like a fairly pretentious actor. I like, swear I think he's I, he just like his last he he won the the Oscar for well sorry not the Oscar he won an award that we don't talk about also I think it's kind of interesting it's a quick side note um, yes Bong Bong uh, Jung Ho mm -hmm. the guy that did uh, Snowpiercer we've talked about him before Parasite um he <laughs> someone asked him about being nominated or for Parasite being accepted in the Oscars or something. And he said, like, yeah, it's a, it's it's pretty crazy, but the Oscars are fairly local, so it's not that it's not that entertaining. Or he he was like, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, the Oscars are fairly local, and it was so great because it was just like, yeah, the Oscars aren't like it's like really film festivals like can in like for everyone else in the world like going to any other film festival like Venice, uh, TIFF, um, uh, Toronto. Wait, that's Toronto uh telluride like all of these other film festivals berlin like these are much bigger deal than the international section of the oscars it's like they don't like people who are like to us like growing up we think like we see the international oscars and we're just like oh my like these people oh like, my this lanta is the best, this is the first like this is the best international film but it's like no it's not it's like from our pers like from the oscars perspective it is you but said that's it such a small thing I'm sorry. Anyways, from the from the award that should how did I get into this again? Oh, uh, I do not know. I forget. But so I am yeah. I'm also looking at this list. It's an interesting and, list. Well, I'm now looking at the list from Taste of Cinema. Oh, um, which is one of my favorite list makers. Same here. Uh, the ones they thing... make a lot of. They make a lot of the lists. I feel like are very researched and in depth um and but some of their films though that they're including like american history x uh i'm also hearing some re are you wearing your headphones yes okay i don't know why i'm hearing reverb um american history x isn't scary like it i think can't, i think it's scary in that sense of like in the same sense of like requiem for a dream is well, scary it's also saying no 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 what? it's not I wouldn't say it's scary like Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream is frightening. Yes. Like, it is a scary... Like, you can't sleep at night. Watching American History X, yeah, it's it's sad that these people are, like, going to this extent. And maybe it's scary. Maybe it's because I'm white and, like, I'm, you know... Yeah, you white. Some of these things... Some of these things aren't as scary as they would be. Um, but I, I still think it's not... It's scary in the more of, like, this is just... This is, you know, this is the reality of things. Is this things happen? Also, I didn't, I didn't know this, but apparently Edward Norton is a fucking part of my French, but he's an asshole. What? Uh, like I didn't, but he's like hard to, like he's a hard person to deal with. Um, I wonder how uh, Wes Anderson gets such good uh, things out of him. Well, everyone loves oh, Wes Anderson. By the way, on a on a recent movie that looks kind of terrifying, but is not supposed to be terrifying. I just watched the trailer for the new uh, Pixar movie, On uh, mm -hmm. Onward, yeah. which is like fantasy world but with no magic. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but it's about. I know nothing about. Okay, it. well, it's about these two elf creatures who I guess find a magic wand, like a, a magic staff that can actually do magic. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they start bringing back their dead dad. And oh, but Adele. they, <laughs> here's the creepy part. They only they only bring half of him back, like it's only yeah. his lower torso, and this is played See, for laughs. I'm I am terrified by that. What is happening See, to this dad? This is what this is what this reminds me. That would be Although so painful. Weird, people, when people first told me about the premise of Up, when they were just oh, like, I thought it's it was about dumb. an old man. When pe- it's about an old man. That literally just puts balloons on his house and floats away. I'm like, how do you make a story so about funny. that? <laughs> I was like, this is gonna be the stupidest thing. But then it turned out they like they get, it was they get one you. of the most heartfelt movies I have ever seen. <sighs> like that you. opening, first like fifteen minutes of it yeah. was like so sad. And I I get the exact same feeling for this you onward know, we movie. We haven't done, done a Pixar one. thing on Pixar thing. Uh, we, well, you know why we haven't. Is because Why? they have become so Disneyfied that I think we've well, kind that's of taken. The point. I mean, really, Inside Out was their last big film, right? Yeah, and, and technically, I've you know, I they're th- fairly autonomous. Well, I think they've also Anyways, been very. We should Disney. get back to the the chart the topic. Well, no, I was I was talking about like how that would be horrifying to just see your half father who's like you're not even a zombie. It's like you're up in wherever limbo, Ooh. and you have no legs. Yeah. Anyways, so another non so I'm seeing a lot, you know, Holocaust movies can also tend to be in that horror, not horror vibe. Mm-hmm. There's a movie that I've yet to see and I hear it's and I've kind of been putting it aside because it seems too rough is this movie called Come and See by Elam Kilmov. Uh, it's a Russian mm-hmm. film. And it's about the perspective of war through this child's eyes and it's it from the photos it looks very real and hmm. it apparently it's it's not it has no sense of happiness like war does sometimes see i'm having trouble with this genre because i'm seeing this list and i don't know exactly what movie you're looking at but from so far, everything that I've been seeing, it seems like a lot of these movies that are like the scariest, non-scary movies, that's just war movies in general. Like war movies are, it's not scary. It's it's just, it's- It's a tough topic. It's, it's tough. It's a tough topic. Yeah, it's, it's violent yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I but agree. It's, not, this it's is... not scary in the same sense, but that's why I think Requiem for a Dream is such a perfect thing because it is, it's not like, a, it is a tough topic, but they're- the, it's not just the the subject matter and what they're showing, but it's like how it's shot and how it's edited. Is it's very scary how it's like portrayed. Well, that's that's. And I'd say looking at this ranker, I'm looking at this ranker list, and one of the movies that pop up is Seven. I think Seven mm. is is a good non horror horror film. I agree with that. I agree because Seven is also shot in a way that it's like it's it is and it's it's a fantasy like it's it's this fantasy world about like the seven deadly sins um well that's why i think around it i think that's why um fantasy movies can tend towards the more scary side in the sense of say something i saw in there and disagree with is matilda yeah yeah was ranked as i'm seeing a lot of 
repeats on these lists. Like I'm seeing a lot of 12 years a slave. Like it's a horrifying experience, but it's a horrifying. I would not consider that a non horror. I wouldn't say it's horror at all. Like I would say it's really sad and depressing. Well, and that's why, but it's not, it's not horror. And that's why I think like, well, a night of the hunter, a, a night of the hunter is a horror film because the preacher comes at these kids in such a mysterious, like, omenistic figure that mm-hmm. he seems like some sort of ghoul. Um, Would you say, because I haven't seen this film, but I'm seeing this pop up a lot. Would you say Passion of the Christ is the horror film? No! I consider, okay. I think Passion of the Christ is a torture porn, is what oh, I, okay. I, call it blasphemy or whatever, viewers out there, but I've seen it once. You know, for some reason, preachers like to be like, watch this film and you'll see the horrors of what Jesus went through. No, it's just a movie about, a you know, who happens to be Jesus getting horribly beat up. Mm-hmm. I just get this. Who happens to be Jesus. Well, I'm just saying it. Like, it could have been. So it could have been. Be Jesus. There was so much violence and so much torture. Yeah. It, I become numb to the fact that it's Jesus, and I just see a guy covered in blood. Yeah. All right. So I'm. Uh, so a lot of these lists are. I'm just kind of like. It's more. I think this also like Pee Wee Herman is coming up a lot. <laughs> well, okay. So and there is a scary scene in it, and this is also something is there's a difference. I think also with things that have a scary scene in it compared to films that are like shot entirely as like using a lot of horror genre stuff but is still not a horror film like i think so far the best examples are seven night of the hunter and uh requiem for a dream i think those are the three best non-horror horror films i can think of after looking at these lists yeah i'm trying i i think i also agree um a topic that i would like to promote for next week um, is, and I don't want to talk about it too much here, but is uh, TV H- Halloween TV specials, because mm, I always that's con- a good one. I consider those I've I've been horrified by some TV specials because yeah. they're so low budget, and mm-hmm. also anything that's non-canon with or canonical in these TV, but then like next week, you know, they're just hanging out or whatever. It freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. in the sense of non-scary, scary stuff, I don't consider rough top, really rough topics to be uh, non-horror horror movies. Yeah, I, we just because it's a rough topic doesn't mean it's, it's, it's really it really just has to take a lot of the types of shots, uh, like the a lot of the tropes of horror films of shooting, you know, making you feel like you're scared. Though in that same time. sense, but, what about like? But for a purpose, like what? Tim Burton, definitely dives more into is... that. Ho- well, I don't think any of his movies are horror films, but his I think... Nightmare on Elm Street is considered to be a Halloween special, like a Hall- like Nightmare on Elm Street. No, sorry, uh, a Nightmare, Nightmare before, before Christmas. Christmas. I don't, I've never seen a list of that being one of the scariest movies, but that is ranked. It's. I think with a ha- you're right. I think Tim Burton is definitely something that it's not really a horror because I'm also it's just Halloween. Edward, I'm just thinking of Edward Scissorhands because 
although that is shot kind of as a horror film in a way, it's, I wouldn't even really, it's not a movie you really watch during Halloween. It's a movie you watch anytime. Thing but is, it is, is still I still kind of a horror film. I put it in that category. It's this is a weird topic. None of okay, there is a, the reason why Big, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure is in there is of course the famous Large Marge scene where mm-hmm. she turns her head and goes like blah, 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 blah. that did scare me as a kid. And they did that same thing in UHF. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Where like it's it's even quicker and more unsettling. Where like, mm-hmm. hey, where are you going, friend? And then he turns out to be an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we do probably have to wrap it up soon because we have. Okay, think of um, a really good transition. Uh, so, although horror, I feel like there's still so much. We just started kind of like touching that, getting into this a little bit more. But I don't know how much we would go. But what's scary to me are the weeks that I haven't watched a film yet and haven't had anything to talk about for our next segment. <laughs> that was bad. No, no, no. But, uh, I'd go for it. Our next segment is um, where we talk about the films that we... And we only have five minutes because we have something important uh, coming up. But it's the films that we've talked about um, or the films that we've seen so far this week. Mm. Um, I-, I can safely say I... I Oh, I have something. I have something to say. Oh, well, you, you start first, and I, then I'll cut you off. So uh, I haven't seen any movies this week, but I've been wrapping up with uh, the show The Deuce, which is on its last season. Uh, it's pretty fun. I enjoy it. It's not as good as The Wire, of course, but it has the same feel of really in-depth characters going through the struggles of, you know, people on the side of game, like on the side of pornography like the different players within pornography um and i think it's all right uh, is it like uh boogie nights at all no it's not like boogie nights um oh. I, I really don't i i personally there's not too many characters that i'm that's i'm that emotionally sad to see being destroyed by it though there it, it does in this newest season it goes through the aids crisis and that is pretty tough to see but um, um, I, I recommend it. It's only three seasons, though. Here's the thing: you got double James Franco, and he's—I think he's—I think he's been canceled or being on the side of being canceled. I think he's—I think he's—I don't know. I feel like everyone knows at this point what he's done, and he's not canceled. So I think he's—he's he's like moderate. But the thing is, is he never really had that much of a career to begin with. What are you it talking wasn't... about? Okay, this—I think he has. I don't think he has. I think James Franco is is one of those people that, I mean, like what, like he he just makes his the things with Seth Rogen, and he just makes like the things that like with no Sam one's Raimi. gonna cancel. With Sam Raimi, yeah. are you joking? That's how he became in the zeitgeist. Oh, I guess okay, Spider Man, but like he touched that's a, me. Like he, how dare Spider Man touch me? I guess it's not gonna get back. He's not gonna do those sort of films again. No, because like now, I think he's been canceled. He hasn't been canceled because he he's never really had that much of a career to begin with. It's like he's nothing has changed. We like don't have did, time uh, for this. I th- he had a career, man. He did Disaster Artist, and that got some attention because it had something but to do with the room. That's when around the same time these allegations, not right. allegations, but these these things came up. I think he's been canceled. Uh, okay. I think he's just think, doing the same. Old- I think. Anyways, he- I think what, the movie what that I watched, I watched The Witch. Um, by 
Ed- oh, James. Edgar Robert. Uh, can you look that up real quick? Um, um, yes. Computer. Witch. It's all right. The, you always do that. It's called Just... The Witch, and it's by Robert Eggers. Yeah, Robert Eggers. I got them switched. Robert Eggers, the guy that is you'll see lighthouse soon but mm. it's it's really interesting actually when i finished it i wasn't a huge fan of it mm. but now that i think about it it's like pretty interesting because it takes a uh it's a fairly slow story but it just it, it's a very realistic depiction about what if witches actually lived in uh like uh, uh puritan times and like early american settle settle like settlers um and it's like a very realistic film if a lot of these very old tropes and one of his things one of roger and this is one of the reasons i like him as a director is he really dives into the culture of that time and like writes as they would talk and a lot of it is based off of like actual stories that people had of when they thought they saw witches and a lot of like like diaries and things from the 1600s so it's a really interesting just directorial uh, debut of this guy's style which i think is fairly unique um and it's like a cool blend of both realistic and also um uh this this kind of fantasy world i guess but to them it seemed very 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 real uh and it's kind of it's, it's one of those films that i feel like is scarier with time like as the more i think about it the scarier it gets um i'll have to give it a watch Oh. All right, so um, we are going to translation now to my interview uh, with uh, Kadimir Bologov, um, since we only have it's really uh, good. 15 minutes. Uh, yeah, I went to the Kino Larber headquarters. They gave me free Blu-rays. They were very kind to me. They gave you um, a free Blu-ray? They gave me five free Blu-rays. Um, Was anything on it? <laughs> yes. Okay, the, good. Uh, good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, what? Are you anyways, s- we're running out okay. of time. Um, but, uh, yeah, take a gander. This, this is the director of Beanpole, which is, uh, which has won, uh, which is premiere at the New York Film Festival, uh, or has premiered. Um, it's also the Russian submission for the Oscars. Um, and also, uh, was at Cannes. It's getting a lot of attention. Uh, see it when it comes out. Uh, but yeah, here you go. My interview. I'm here with Kadimir Bulogov, uh, who's the director of Beanpole. Um, which is this film that uh, is coming out in 2020 and premiered October 6th at the New York Film Festival. Um, and I just want to say, blew me away, one of the greatest films I've seen from the New York Film Festival. Um, and one of my, my first question is, uh, Beanpole, you said in the past, the title, it loses uh, some of its uh, meaning from the Russian title. Um, and I was wondering if you wanted to explain some of that and some of the things that might have also been lost. Uh, in the translation from Russian to English. Yeah, Binpol in Russian, it's not only about height. Uh, it's uh, always, it's, uh, for me, it's like it's something about clumsiness. And every character in the film are uh, Binpol because uh, is every character in the film is Binpol because uh, after the war, the way they're trying to live normal life, it's a clumsy way. They feel clumsy, they say clumsy things, uh, they say clumsy, uh, they talk in clumsy, they move clumsy, uh, the morality is clumsy, uh, the moral compass is clumsy, that's kind of this stuff, yeah, so that's that's why I think called being pulled too. Um, also, the first 
One of the first things that blew me away when I knew that this was going to be uh, a different kind of movie was the sound in the beginning. Immediately you hear what I first thought was like gargling or it sounded like I thought she, someone was choking. I had no idea what the sound was. Um, and it almost sounded like the mic was in her mouth itself. Like whoever did the sound really did a great job. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about um, what what steps and what th what you were trying to do with the sound and maybe some of the techniques you were using with the sound itself to get it so pristine and so it seems so specific and exact. Well, we tried to create uh, some interesting bean pose world because uh, with this PTSD, she kind of She's, she freezes and she, it's kind of the tool to escape the reality because uh, while she freezes, she she just, uh, I don't know, gets some journey in her, her own world. So uh, when we were working with the sound editing, uh, we don't want to make much sounds because uh, the major thing for us the major thing for us was uh, the intonation of the silent uh, because the people were exhausted and they talked slowly uh, the intonation of the, of the voice w was different and uh, yeah the intonation of the silent because the most important things is not what we are saying it's what we're it's it's what what it's what we think uh, it's what we're not saying mm. it's what we remain silent oh, wow. yeah cause also it was cool there was something I, I i don't think i thought of until the end was there's really not that much music in the movie yeah. at all yeah. like it's very focused on just the stillness um of everything and i guess i do want to jump there is um one of the things, uh, the, another famous Russian uh, director, Tarkovsky, um, is also famous for like his long takes, and he talks about like the pressure of time, and like that's why he takes it because he wants this pressure of building things up. And a lot of your shots in this film, and also in, in closeness, is um, there's a lot of these long takes, but a lot of them are very like painful to watch. And I, I want you to talk a little bit about why you think it's important. Um, like for instance, not giving anything away, but there's like this, this scene with a hand that like slowly stops and like is shaking. That scene itself, when I was watching it, I was, it was going on so long and I was like, this is so powerful. And I want you to talk a little bit about that, that decision to have those long takes and why it's important to show the audience. Uh, I think it depends from the um, scene and depends on what uh, my characters feel. Uh, but for me, long takes allows you allows to uh, the distance between audience and the characters uh, be uh, small, 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 smaller. So yeah, I think uh, I, I want I want the audience uh, and my characters Я хочу, я просто хочу, чтобы расстояние между моими героями и аудиторией было максимально I want to bring the audience uh, with the, my characters as close as possible in my films. Yeah, definitely translate that way. Um, another thing, uh, whenever I was watching this film when it ended, I just assumed it would you would be a woman writing, directing this, since this was such a personal, uh, very specific woman director. And like 
it really blew me away when I was like, not only is this is this is like this 26 year old man writing this. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to ask how you were able to what you were able to do to find a very specific female voice about a very specific female uh, issue and if there was any worries you had uh, while writing at all. Uh, no, I didn't have because um, my master, my teacher, Alexander Sakurov, he always said to us that um, the director, when he is working uh, on the characters, on story, he should be gender, gender neutral. He shouldn't be a male or female. She, he just be should neutral. So I completely agree with you, and it just stuck me with me this this idea that we have a, a male side and a female side. So I didn't have difficulties with it. And my first one was about the young woman, and this one, I don't know. I just feel comfortable and dis discover my female side with with the help of my characters. Um. Also talking about your master, Alexander Azukov, um, in an interview you talked about how he likes, he wants you to read literature yeah. um, to prepare for the movies. Um, and you also talked about with this film, you looked for paintings, uh, which as soon as you said that, I instantly thought of the painting, uh, The Girl with Pearl Earrings. That was like, as soon as you said that, that was the first thing I thought of is that painting. Um, so I think it'd be interesting for you to talk about um, the importance of looking outside of cinema to influence uh, your work and anyone's work? Well, it's really important because the cinema is the youngest, uh, it's the youngest art. So I think, and I, I agree with my master. Uh, he said that literature is, must, is much more stronger than uh, cinema. And I completely agree with him and uh, the cinematography is a child, you know, if you compare it with uh, music, uh, paintings, literature. So it really, it's, it's, it's really important to um, not pay attention only in, on cinema. Yeah. Um, and one of the cool things about the writing itself, there was... Uh, I feel like sometimes some uh, films that start off in very desolate areas, they go um, depressing the whole entire way. Like there was this one film I watched called Sacred or Scarred Hearts, uh, which was a Romanian film. I'm forgetting the director's name, but it was a very depressing film and started off in a hospital. And this film, I felt was going to be something about birds. What? Something about inside of the birds or something like that. No. Oh, let's call it a Scarred Hearts. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Scarred Hearts. Um, uh, but I would like to know that film. No, it's fine. Um, I wish I probably should have done that. Um, but with this film, it's kind of hopeful. Like when I, at least that's when I was watching it, the, I felt there was this, I mean, it's not like a happy-go-lucky film, but there is this hopefulness into it. And I know this movie is uh, influenced by the book uh, Unwomanly Face of War. And I really want to know like what stories you saw or what, what things you might have read that influenced these characters that I thought were so strong and although so much happened to them there still seemed to be hope in them um, so I wanted to know about the development of these characters uh, Aya and Masha I really like that you saw the hope in this film because it's really important for me the empathy to the character to the characters 
Well, uh, the characters is like the mix of Stoan uh, Alexievich's books, the mix of the characters of Andrei Platonov, Andrei Platonov's novels. Uh, he's my favorite writer, and uh, his characters are so naive, are so innocent, and they're making bad choices, but you can understand it. Uh, and yeah, it was really important to mix and to bring in the film this Platonov's intonation. Yeah, I mean, it, it the characters themselves, like, uh, I, I didn't know who, I didn't know if I, who, if I thought, like, Beanpole was, like, the good one at first, but then it seemed like Masha was also had, like, a lot of, the, the complexity of it was uh, amazing. Um, the, one other, another question, um, I'm always kind of a nut about aspect ratios. Um, I always think it's interesting why directors choose specific aspect ratios. Um, last one, you did four by three, yeah. like, a little box, a little, tight in and this one uh it's one by uh 1.5 and what was your decision of going uh that way instead of going like full screen like the 2.35 or like any other aspect ratio uh, because the easiest way to create a cinematography look frame it's make it in uh anamorphic mm -hmm. it's like wide screen it's mm -hmm. the easiest way to create the cinematography look uh frame so I don't know, I, I just uh, didn't feel right to make the white uh, shots, white screen, because it looks very, it, 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 it looked too contemporary, mm. you know, it, it, it looked really contemporary. And uh, we wanted to look, we wanted our story to look timeless, I think. Mm. So that's why, and it looks like painting, so mm. yeah. Um, the, the story itself, I feel like, uh, in some ways it's, it's kind of the antithesis of your first film, Closeness, um, just in the fact that that one is so much about the violence happening then and there. And this one is the aftermath of it, the repercussions of these violence. Um, and I wanted to know about when you were writing this and when you were directing this, like what, what were some of the challenges that presented of, of writing from this kind of different point of view of like the after the fact or maybe some things that were maybe easier um we're writing this different type of story i just want to when i work in the film i just want to understand my borders you know mental borders ethic borders and this stuff uh and i always try to uh i always try to challenge myself challenge myself with the, with the with the help of my characters yeah, yeah. um and then uh my next to last question is um, you mentioned in an interview that you don't pref uh, you don't prefer a lot of modern cinema right now. Um, a lot of modern cinema. Uh, no, not, not, that's not that's not right. Oh. No, I, I watched uh, contemporary cinema. I really admire Alicia Orkwa here. Oh, okay. Lazaro Felice and Wonders. I really admire uh, Gia Janke. No, I, I, I watch a lot of, not a lot of, but I watch movies, contemporary movies, yeah. Well then, uh, what's something, uh, where do you see, like, what, what do you see a lot of, uh, what, do you, what do you think is like one of the coolest things that's changing right now in cinema, as opposed to uh, 
like in the past? What do you what do you what are you excited for in cinema? Um, currently, uh, that's a hard question. I think that. I don't have the answer because I think that the most exciting film, uh, thing for me in the cinema right now uh, is the possibility to make uh, the film shoot it on the film mm. because uh, the dig digital looks too too old right now. Mm. The new, uh, I think that uh, uh, the the. 35 millimeter or 60 millimeters looks more contemporary than the digital. So the most interesting thing in uh, nowadays in the cinema for me, it's like returning to the to the past. Interesting. Um, well, I just got the, the one minute mark. So my last question for you today is um, you said uh, in the past or as soon as Closeness premiered, you say you, you already had your idea for Beanpool. So I was wondering, um, if you have a new idea already, if you can tell as much as you can, I know there's contracts and things, but if you have a new idea going. I don't know that that will be about nowadays, about modern days in North Caucasus, and I think it will be a male story. There you go. Yeah. Thank you so much. You. Beautiful film. I'm going to tell everyone about this. Uh, and thanks for being with me. Thank you. Wow, that was amazing, Sam. I... Wait, there, there's the one thing where... Uh... Oh, whenever I said, like, I heard that you don't like modern films. Oh, yeah, and, and he, he said, just... like, wrong. Well, he didn't say <laughs> But he was definitely like, uh, no, that that's not right. <laughs> I, of course, but, I knew he was, like, he was trying to say it ni like in a nicer way, but there well, was no... Well, the thing is, is, it was definitely a translation issue because I saw an interview where he actually said, I'm not a... I'm not big on popular or on modern cinema or something like that but i think there was just a translation issue I, I, with that and that's not what he meant i would love to um, have it be like but i'm glad i clarified it then there was if a, other people were saying thinking it i think this is something we should always bring up or at least this is your question always bring up the aspect ratio with oh, yeah, anything no. just be and like his, his answer honestly i mean he was fascinated he's like oh yeah i, love, I like yeah it. no i but also i think uh one of the, my things is i wanted him to dive into more like why because he's saying like you need to have the wide screen to make it you know a good aspect ratio and uh i i wanted him to like go in but then he said like but one by one or eight five is not as wide as it can be typically it's one by 2.35 uh, that is the normal aspect ratio of like typical cinema but anyways um, i loved it yeah that was that was a really cool interview um but yeah tune in next week it's gonna um, be good we'll We'll be live. All right. um, Godspeed, yeah. Spider-Man. Godspeed. Bye. Bye.